Welcome to the Mud and Glory podcast with your host Fabian Yeo. Welcome, welcome. I'm joined today uh, by my guest, uh, Mr. Phil Omerod. Hi, Phil. God, you got my name right. No hey. one my name right. <laughs> I was reading it going, how am I going to say this? I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> had my first two days back at school and I do a whole thing when I introduce myself to the kids and I say so look my name is Mr Ormrod but no one ever gets it right so you can either call me Mr Ormrod don't even bother Mr O sir obviously or my personal favorite is if you can just call me legend because then all the other teachers get really jealous because they've got no idea why you're calling me that do any of them actually call you legend yes loads of them they're like 11 years old I think it's the coolest thing in the world so yes love it Um, and I guess, I guess, Phil, people probably don't know you by, by, by that name. I'd imagine most people will know you by the, the legend Spartan Phil. Yes, that is correct. That is the, um, the alter ego that I've come to cultivate over the past few years. And I guess we, we do have some sort of uh, viewers who are not from the UK, so not everyone's going to be familiar. I think if you're from the UK and you do, you do OCR, you do Spartan races, you know who Phil is. Um, but some people from further abroad probably don't know who you are. How would you describe what you do? Well, I mean, if anybody's in the kind of the international Spartan racing circuit, they may have seen me possibly. I mean, I've done um, trifecta world championships in Sparta, championships in Dolomites. Um, I've done the ultra world championships twice. Um, So like, they may have known me, but if they don't, um, if you go and do a Spartan race, or indeed if you go and do any OCR race, at the very beginning of your race, you will usually have someone who fills you in a little bit about some of the rules and the guidelines, who will tell you a little bit about what to expect in the race, and who's generally there to kind of motivate you and get you going. And that's essentially my job. The only difference is that I do it whilst dressed as a Spartan. Beautifully described. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was off the cuff as well, I haven't prepared. Uh, um, I guess it's... it's uh... It's interesting that we have someone over here um, who, you know, does it for all the Spartan races, which I think is nice. It gives a bit of continuity. People kind of know what to expect. But um, I think one of, one of your your fortes is you get people quite amped up with your, you know, you, you really get into that that kind of Spartan persona, don't you? I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I mean, you were saying, you know, my, my day-to-day job is a teacher um, and I teach performing arts, so I'm, I'm pretty kind of, you know, jump up and downy anyway. But... Um, the atmosphere at Spartan races is just so overwhelmingly positive and welcoming and inclusive and supportive um, that it makes my job an absolute pleasure to do. And I think the other thing, when you in terms of you saying, you know, I kind of get people going a lot, um, my background is that I, I worked as an actor before I became a teacher. And one of the things that you get taught very early on when you're acting is, particularly if you come from a theatre background, which is what I did, <clears throat> is that whether you're performing to, you know, a packed two and a half thousand people on a Saturday night or, you know, 500 people on a Wednesday afternoon, they've all paid the same price. And so your job is to make sure that you have a sense of continuity and consistency about your performance, in essence. And that's very much how I treat Spartan events. So whether I'm sending off the elites at seven o'clock in the morning or the very last wave of sweepers at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, they're all there for the same reason, which means that I need to be on my A game every time I'm sending them off. Well, certainly that's the way that I look at it. All, all the kids, even. You know. Yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> I've often said that sending off the kids race is one of my favourite things. 
and it's often one of the ones where I nearly lose my voice the most as well because I'm just so amped up and excited to see their little faces right now. Love it. My um, my daughter did her, her, she's six, and she did her first Spartan race. Oh, was it Marston Lodge? No, I can't remember now. Anyway, she, she did her first, she, this is her first Spartan. I think she'd done a nuclear before. Um, first Spartan race, and she she got up there, and she got in the starting pen, and she got pretty nervous. Um, and, you know, there, were, there was there was this man, this scantily clad man in, in <laughs> the Spartan gear Ranger shouting danger. at her. Ranger danger. <laughs> and she was a bit like she was looking at me, she was holding on to me. But by the end of it, she's screaming, Aro, Aro, and then flew off without me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of occasions where um, some of the guys from, from our kids' staff have come up to me and said, Listen, you know, we've got, um, it's not always a little girl, it could be a little boy, it could be anyone, because often when they're just a little bit little, it's you know, it's very much like you said, my outfit and, and the look of it in general can be quite intimidating I think, when you're a small person. Um, and so often they'll kind of say, would you mind just coming up and talking to them just before they go off? And as soon as you talk to me, you realise that I'm the softest wet blanket in the world. So, you, and I'm usually, you know, I try and be quite funny or say something silly or do something to make them giggle. Um, and then as soon as they've done that, like you said, hopefully they have a reaction like your daughter. And by the time they actually get to the race, like that, screw you, daddy. I'm doing this on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ended up with me chasing her around trying to keep yeah, up with absolutely. her. Little kids can be quite quick. <laughs> you go, you leave me. Carry on. Every time he's like, Do you have a race, daddy? I'm like, No, daddy will beat you, sweetheart. It's be really embarrassing. And in my head, I'm like, So, you know, I, I was always wondering, I said, so, you know, this guy, this Spartan Phil guy, how does he, how did he get this role? And, you know, a few things you've said to me there, obviously your, your background in performing arts um, yeah. and a teacher start to me go, oh, that, that kind of makes sense now as well. Yeah. And then the acting thing. But how did you get the gig of Spartan Phil? It was kind of interesting. So I was, I sort of say that I was in this um, uniquely qualified position to do it. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to give you the long story because why the hell not? Mm. I was working at uh, a college in Norwich and one of my best mates that I was working with is a guy called Greg. Um, if you get a chance to check him out, this is a quick plug for Greg. He has an amazing channel now called, oh, it's on YouTube. He basically flies, um, oh, what are they called? They're like micro raptor things. Uh, the Aviator Collective, I think it's called. Okay. Um, paramotoring, that's it. The one with right. swamping great motor onto your back with a parachute on the top and just fly off around. Wow. Um, he's amazing. He's just done the world's first ever live drone catch on a paramotor. So him driving around, flew a drone to himself and then caught it. No way. <laughs> get a chance That's to amazing. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, but Greg was um, a music teacher whilst I was a dance teacher. And we were really, really good mates. He ended up living with me and my partner for a while at that time. Um, uh, but alongside the music that he was teaching, he really wanted to get into videography. And he somehow, I don't know how he'd managed to get involved with it, but he'd end up doing the promo videos for Spartan UK. And at the time, the people that ran Spartan UK also had another race called the Zombie Evacuation Race, mm. which again, if you've never heard of, check it out. It is one of the most ridiculously fun things ever. Uh, it's a 5K cross-country trek through the woods being chased by 200 zombies. Just sounds, ter sounds terrifying. But honestly, it's the most amazing. Well, we get like loads of extras. We do full-on professional makeup with them in the morning, and then you get a little tag, uh, like a tag rugby thing around your waist with two little tags on it. And the idea is you have to try and run the five k without the zombies nicking off you. 
Oh, that actually sounds awesome. <laughs> so anyway, Greg's working for these guys at Run Spartan. They also run this thing called the Zombie Evacuation Race, and they needed an MC for that. And Greg was like, well, my friend Phil used to be an actor, so he could probably do it. What kind of things do you need him to do? And they were like, we want like a drill sergeant. So the whole idea is, is that when you do the zombie evacuation, briefly you get at the beginning of it, is that um, <laughs> kind of much like what's gone for the past 18 months, the <laughs> pandemic has hit, but obviously it's um, slightly different in terms of the symptoms. Um, and so this this, uh, this zombie kind of outbreak hits, and the idea is that me and a bunch of my uh, army team are going to take you to a specified point where you're going to be airlifted off the UK and taken to safety. Yeah. So I got to like a big, I got to dress up in full camo outfit, replica <laughs> machine gun, like it was flipping awesome. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and it was great, I had loads of fun. And then the people, but I still didn't really know anything about OCR. It wasn't on my radar mm. at all. I was just a gym bunny, that was it really. Um, and then the guys that ran it said to me, listen, we've got this other race called Spartan Race. Have you heard of it? And I was like, no, what the? <laughs> and, um, and they said, well, it's it's like an outdoor course race. Um, and we have the guy that was doing it is about to leave us. The guy that's the MC for that is about to leave us. Would you be interested in auditioning for it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, what do I need to do? And they were like, well, we've got a speech already. Um, and they were like, you, you, you kind of keep in good shape, don't you? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've got to work out a bit. And they said, um, so you have to kind of dress up as a Spartan. And I was like, dude, that's like the least embarrassing outfit that I've had to wear over the years. It's an actress, <laughs> not a problem. Um, and they said, so yeah, just, just if you can just record yourself doing the speech, and if you could do it like just in a pair of shorts or something, I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. So Greg and I um, hung around after in college after all the students had gone home. And there's a media department there that have an entire TV studio set up with a big green screen on the back. Nice. So Greg was like, right, I've got an idea. And I was like, dude, you're, you're the video dude. Just <laughs> tell me what to do. So he was like, you just do the speech, right? So I was like, right, no worries. So I did, you know, the usual thing, like a thousand press-ups before I took my shirt off. <laughs> and then did this speech and gave it the full Johnny Big Bananas and lots of shouting and whatever. And then Greg was like, right, just leave the rest with me. And I was like, okay, cool. So he came back the next day and he'd chopped in loads of footage from the 300. <laughs> So every time I went, <laughs> who am I? You get just these, you know, monstrous, oiled-up lunatics just going, Spartans, what is your profession? Amazing. So we sent that off to the guys that ran Spartan Race, and they're like, oh, my God, you've got the job. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so that was it. And that was, oh man, I don't know, like six years ago, maybe, I think. And the first year that we did it, I was wearing literally like a, you know, 15 quid from a joke shop Spartan outfit. With like right. It was not good. Um, and then over the years, we ended up getting the costume from the guys that actually did the outfit for the 300. No way. So everything that I wear is, is like proper kit. That's cool. Heavy. <laughs> That's very cool. It does look heavy. <laughs> Especially the helmet. After by the end of like the weekend, I'm usually like that. That just absolutely ruined on my neck. But, um, my wife did ask me to make some joke about asking you how much you polish a helmet. I said I wasn't yes. going to do that, so I'm not going to do well, it. Well, I'm glad that you steered well clear of that and yep. didn't. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to say that she was the first person to ask me that. It would be a lie. There was there was a point though. So when I when I first started doing Spartan, yeah, um, you weren't doing it. So I believe you stopped doing it for a while. Um, I'm not sure why, but there was there was quite an outcry from <laughs> from the community 
um, that, that you weren't doing it anymore. I mean, I, I remember co- going to that event and, and someone was doing the MC and everyone in the crowd was going, well, it's not, he's, he's no Spartan Phil, is he? <laughs> that was, that was, I can honestly say that was one of the nicest, most kind of, just most flattering experiences that I've genuinely ever had. Because I, like I said, I love doing this job. I really, really do. I, I don't know that there are many people that are lucky enough to wake up in the morning and really look forward to the thing that they do. Uh, I can tell you that teaching is not like that every day. Most days it's awesome and it's really rewarding and everything, but there are certain days that do stress you out or worry you or, you know, just cause you upset, whatever. But I can honestly say that I've never gone to a Spark event and not looked forward to it. Um, so essentially what happened was, and it's, I don't even sound mind me saying because it, I completely understand what happened. Essentially we had um, a new person coming as the director of Spartan UK and quite understandably what they did was they looked at our outgoings and when, where can we save money? Saw who's this guy Spartan Phil, why are we paying him so much? Don't really understand what that is. Um, and, so, and, and like I said, I was not upset about this at all. I completely understand from a business point of view, it makes perfect sense. He, Sam didn't really come from an OCR background, so hadn't ever seen me do what I did, and just kind of went, that's not going to work. So the, the short version is, is that they offered me um, a little bit less money, and I kind of felt, you know, if I say yes to that now, then it's very possible that they could just keep offering less and less and less. And, and again, I don't think they would, but, you know, that was the situation. So I said to them, look, I've had an amazing run. Thank you so very, very much, but I think I'll probably bow out and you know best luck with the season I hope it goes really well if anything changes give me a shout and I honest to god thought that was it as far as I didn't think I would ever do another one again I thought I'd probably go and run some but I certainly didn't think I would work there at all and then just god love them a couple of people who worked at Spartan and then some friends of theirs and then other people started this um hashtag bring back Spartan Phil yeah and um yeah, it, it, got, it got some traction. And I honestly was blown away. I did not think anyone would give a flying monkeys in the nicest possible way. Like I, I knew that I loved my job and I knew that I had fun doing it. But I was like, people have got so much other stuff to worry about. <laughs> That's not on their <laughs> list of priorities. But yeah, this um, this hashtag came out and it, um, it got some traction and it got uh, quite a bit of social media presence. Um, and so I reached out back to Spartan and kind of said, you know, I don't know whether you guys have seen this, just just saying. And they were like, yeah, we have seen it. Still no movement just at the moment. And I was like, cool, okay. Again, I had an amazing time. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been brilliant. And then towards the very end of that season, uh, I think there were maybe two, three events left. I got an email saying um, we'd really like to come back. Uh, And I was like, would that, be for the same <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, and they said yes and I was like yeah that would be brilliant because I missed it man I really really missed it and like watching footage of the events and not being there just felt so weird because I've been doing it for quite a few years by that point um, and when I came back uh, it was ridiculous the amount of people that came up to me like oh god missed you so much and <laughs> it wasn't the same without you and, you know it's like I said um it, it was one of the probably the most flattering thing that I've ever had happen to me, and it really meant a huge, huge amount to me. So, if any of you people that um, signed it, commented, did anything to get me my job back, uh, I really from the bottom of my heart would like to say thank you very much because I love my job and I'm so, so pleased to be doing it. It, it was amazing. It, the outpouring of love from the community 
and outrage as well that, that you weren't there anymore <laughs> it was outrage certainly um yeah and you know I'd, I'd gone to that event and, and everyone's like oh it's not same spot and i was like who's this who's this spot and film who guy about? Who, who are you talking about what, what does he do I, I don't really get it um and then i saw you then I, then the first event you're back and i saw it i was like, ah i get it now i get it now because uh uk spartan doesn't feel like uk spartan unless you're starting them that's the honest truth it's yeah it's nuts i mean i've, I've you know I've, I've had people say that before and, and that again is just so wonderfully validating and, and it's a real delight to hear because it makes me feel well at least i'm you know i'm doing my job good i'm doing a good job there's a lot of love going around for it <laughs> yeah, i'm not gonna fit me head in the zoom box <laughs> I, I, I saw you at um ocr world championships at um, yeah. at nuclear and i i, I sort of stepped up because um I, I was racing in, in the age group wave and i stepped up and i, I saw you and i went that, that voice sounds familiar <laughs> i can't quite place the guy he's got a cap on he's got a top on so i'm not really is, is that spartan is, is, if he could take his top off i could be sure that was spartan <laughs> <girl. laughs> that was um that was another thing that i was absolutely blessed with was um some of the guys from the ocr world championships had been to spartan races and had seen me and, and just kind of approached me and said you know we really like what you do would you be happy to come and do some NCing for us and so i my first concern was, you know, I don't want to um, tread on anyone's toes at Spartan. So we ran it by them and they were like, no, we've got a fantastic relationship with OCR. You know, that's that's not a problem at all. Wear a Spartan t-shirt. Um, so, uh, but it was brilliant. But again, just like you said, you could almost see on people, see, like if there was anybody at the OCR World Champs who's run a Spartan race in the UK, the second I started speaking, you could see that they would even be like mid-conversation, be like, yeah, yeah, so I'm racing, but hang on, just give it. I know that voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, even when I'm going like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OCR World Champs. It's lovely to have you. They're like, sport, Phil. Like, yeah, thanks, mum. Cheers. Just moving on. Uh, but it was awesome because obviously I saw a lot of people there who were from, um, you know, a, a Spartan background anyway. But my God, that championships is a whole different kettle of fish just in terms of the amount of people, the variety of nationalities. It's just an awesome gig, man. So much fun to do. It, it was it was a tough one as well. The, the last one with all the rain. Um, That's the one, right? So the one that I would love to say, a lot of people always say to me, like, what's your favourite distance? Which distance you like doing? And I'm like, Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Short and like, sharp. If it can be about Die. 100 metres with 25 obstacles, <laughs> I'm your man. So the technical section at the OCR World Champs, that would be my absolute go-to, like, yes, please, I'll do that all day long. The running through the coldness and the water and the mud, <laughs> that was definitely not the race for you then <laughs> how many OCRs have you actually done oh this is, so this is the delicious irony is that um, I'm at a stage in my life now where I can hopefully without sounding arrogant say I think I, I look okay I take care of myself and because of that a lot of people assume that I'm like running OCRs 24-7 and I live in the gym and the God's honest truth is uh the season before covid hit was the first time i'd ever run a spartan race shock horror right <laughs> so i need to quantify this before people go like well that's it i'm never running another one again right this is this is going to sound very much like first world problems but you know that thing we were talking about earlier about um i want to make sure that every person that races gets the same experience from yeah, yeah so whether you're at the beginning or the end you need to know that i'm giving it both barrels when I'm on the start line. 
because of that, so I start work at you, elites go off at about seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and we usually go through the last wave is probably about between two or three in the afternoon and they go every 15 minutes and I'll usually get two half hour breaks throughout the day. So not only vocally, but physically, I'm doing quite a lot of like prancing around and mm. about and stuff. It's actually really, really tiring. So historically, whenever I finished the race, I was usually like someone mainline a burger into my face and then just get me <laughs> to my hotel and put me to bed because i've got to do the same thing again tomorrow yeah. um and so loads of times people were like you know you know what's your favorite venue where have you run i had to sit there like a right egypt going uh, i've never actually run one not in my life so just before covid I, um steve who runs the event village really good mate of mine he was like do you want to go and do one of the sweeper runs at the end and i was like do you know what? Actually, I'm feeling pretty fresh today. Yeah, I wouldn't mind because that's only 5K and I know I can do a 5K, so that's right. Yeah. So I went and I did it and it was exactly as you'd expect it to be. It was just flipping awesome. Had the best time doing it. So I was like, huh, I wonder if I could do a trifecta this season because that'd be pretty cool in my first season. So I did a beast at the next one, which was awesome. I have to say, I didn't run the whole thing. I'm going to come to be honest. I did walk a little bit. That's okay. Um, that's fine. I've got, got, got a really bad knee. I'll just keep saying uh, and then I was all geared up to A, do a beast to get my trifecta, and B, go and do the world champs at Lake Tahoe because I've finally wow. got enough interest from the Americans to go over there and do that. Yeah. It was all sorted, flights were about to get booked, and then I herniated two discs in my back. <sighs> and it was honestly, it was like two weeks before. So um, the idea of sitting on a plane for 10 hours, it just was impossible. I couldn't mm. do it. So many painkillers. That was just not going to happen. Um, so I missed out on my trifecta and I missed out on the logicals, which was gutted. Yeah, man. So at some point, I will definitely, definitely get a trifecta under my belt. I've no idea how I'll get around a beast. I may need a wheelchair, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> How's your back doing now? It's really good. Touch wood. I'm touching as much wood as there is. I've actually... Um, I've done it twice. So the first, well, basically both times I did it, it is, if, if anybody out there has ever herniated this, um, it is one of the most soul-crushingly horrible things to happen because it's just relentless. I got sciatica down my right leg. And normally, like most of us that, that run or train or do anything, we, you know, we, we've, we've all pulled muscles before. We all know what that feels like, particularly when they get really tight but you can alleviate the discomfort by changing the position you're sitting in. Mm. With something like sciatica, where essentially you've got a bulging disc that's just pushing on a nerve, there is no relent, there's no respite. So whatever position you sit in, it might give you a bit of comfort for a couple of minutes, but then you have to move position again and you're just constantly doing that. So it wakes you up in the middle of the night. I, I have like a 25 minute drive to work. I would literally have to get out of my car, make sure there were new students, students around there, and scream into my back because I was just in so much pain. It was just horrible. Um, but now, thankfully, I've got an absolutely amazing um, osteopath. Massive shout out to Ed Jones at the Point Clinic. If any of you guys are near Colchester and you have any kind of ailments, go and see Ed. He is a miracle worker. Um, but he did some amazing work on my back and then just a lot of rehab, lots and lots mm. and lots of strengthening my posterior chain and loads of lower back work lots of lower back raises lifting up kettlebells on a bosu ball on one leg yeah all kinds of cool stuff but um yeah now my back feels 
pretty indestructible. That's Except, lucky. I mean, my, my wife had that, had a herniated disc, and she had to have surgery in the end. Yeah, I mean, I was on that route. Um, but one of the reasons that I absolutely adore Ed and would, that I travel from Norfolk to Colchester to go and see him is because he gets uh, what my lifestyle is. Mm. And he understands. But I've got a massive issue with my knee as well, my left knee pretty much ruined from I worked as, as you know I worked as an actor but primarily as, as a dancer and performer so I had a lot of dance and just loads of repetitive jumps and things I'm really hyper mobile as well so I, I, I wasn't landing in a biomechanically particularly sound way when I was jumping mm-hmm. um, but he did the same thing with my knees so I just was like look this the NHS was suggesting you know might be an idea for some surgery and he was just like nope no way do not need to do that at all here's what we need to do here's and like it's not even a question of resting it what we actually need to do is to really properly rehab this and build up the strength um so that's what i did and i've done that on both my leg and my back and as again i'm going to keep saying touch wood because it genuinely scares the jesus out of me going wrong again but um i seem to be pretty good at the moment just nice. started running again after about six months off which is awesome um so yeah pretty good so far I mean, yeah, someone who's got a kind of active lifestyle, that's, that's going to be awful to have that. <laughs> you know, anybody that's, it's the same when I was working as a dancer, anytime that you're injured, and we all dance with injuries anyway, that's just part mm-hmm. of the gig. But if you've got a proper injury where you can't do anything, it is the most soul-destroying, frustrating, and mentally taxing thing as well. Like, I don't know if you're the same as me, but if I can't exercise, my mental health just goes mm-hmm. down to it as well. Um, yeah, we were talking earlier on about uh, the different things that I do. So, like for me, paddleboarding is my kind of go-to Zen meditative. That's that's my me time where I can just really kind of take a bit to make sure that I'm mentally in a good place. But if I don't get to work out, so many other parts of my life start to kind of very slowly implode. It's not a massive thing straight away, but it's just like a notice after a period of time. If I'm carrying an injury and I can't train, I'm not in a the same kind of mental place that I would be were I able to do so. Definitely. I think I, I think probably a lot of our listeners would empathize with that, that exercise is kind of your therapy, <laughs> daily therapy. Listen, if it gets prescribed to help with, you know, mental illness, then there has to be a pretty good rationale behind it. There's, you know, that, I mean, all of us have experienced that massive endorphin rush that you get when you've completed a race when you've done a particularly hard circuit when you completed you know workout day whatever it is and um yeah i love that i, I really really enjoy that feeling i can see your you've your equipment in the background there yeah now obviously for for spartan phil you you do need to keep in shape what does your fitness regime look like it's really varied to be honest with you and i'm probably gonna annoy a lot of people by saying um I do not live in the gym by any means. I mean, if anybody that's seen me will know that I'm not a big guy. You know, I weigh about 75 kilos. I'm I'm not big, big. I just, um, I I keep fairly trim. Mm. Um, So things that I'm into, I'm really, although this is going to sound brilliant, bearing in mind the fact that if you can see behind me, there is a whomping great squat cage. Um, But calisthenics is the thing that I really, really enjoy. Um, I do a combination of calisthenics and weight training, um, but it really varies from kind of month to month, depending upon what I'm into. Um, for the most part, um, I'm a massive fan of just 
bog standing calisthenic movements like pull-ups and dips, dips on the ring. Best piece of equipment I ever bought are those gymnastic rings behind me. If you don't have a set, get a set. They are so versatile, so portable, and just amazing for anything to do with upper body. Um, and the thing that I really like about calisthenics is I'm never going to be the biggest guy in the room. I'm never going to be able to shift the most amount of weight because there will always be a guy who's heavier than me. But I like to be able to do movements that other people can't do. Mm. So like you may be able to bench 150 kilos, but can you do a front lever? Because mm. I can. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that kind <laughs> of thing. Um, so I love things that are technical. Um, I do love um, getting on the bench and, you know, seeing how much I can lift. That, that makes me very happy as well. Um, if I'm training, usually what I'll often do is kind of a fairly bog standard six-week cycle. So six weeks of strength. And then I'll often try and do a little bit of hypertrophy afterwards. Um, it's been a lifelong goal of mine to get bigger. My somatotype is just not that. Mm. You know, I am never going to look like a professional rugby player. That is just not the way that I'm genetically put together. But on the flip side of that, I would also say that I'm really, really blessed because I don't get fat. I've got a really, really high metabolism. For the most part, I can eat pretty much what I want. Um, and I, I hate you. I hate you. Everyone listening um, hates you now. <laughs> when I say pretty much what I want, there are times when I've, you know, been a bit down or maybe it's been off season and I've gone a little bit crazy and, hmm. you know, drunk a little bit too much or eaten the wrong foods or whatever um but i don't ever really get more than like i tend to go in in i'm old school so i tend to go like stones and pounds rather than kilos I just think yeah. kilos, like that. but um i usually sit somewhere between 11 and 11 and a half stone okay. and it's very rare that i go out that seven pound difference really uh i did for the first time ever in my life you know that everyone says it's impossible once you get past 40 because you're like your t levels are diminished completely and you can't yeah. you can't do any of that i turned 44 like five days ago and last year was the first time ever in my life that i put some weight oh, really wow yeah and it was because i i'd always been one of those guys that was like oh i work so hard and i never put weight on and it's so unfair <laughs> yeah. and then for the first time in my life i was like do you know what? i'm actually going to do this properly and i'm really going to make an effort to do it so i did a six-week strength program followed by a six-week hypertrophy program and i did six days a week every day and i did not skip a single session but i also had a really really specific diet mm. which was if it's in front of my face i will eat it i like that diet yeah, it's a really fun diet to go through. So I didn't give a toss whether it was ice cream, brownies, donuts, pizza, like whatever. If it was calories, it was going in. Um, and it meant that for 12 weeks, I was uncomfortably full the entire time. Mm -hmm. But I dumped on like a stone and a half of weight. I got up to like 12 and a half, 12 stone nine, I think was my heaviest. And there was a little layer over the top. But for the most part, it was muscle. Mm. <laughs> and then... Uh, I realized to myself what I had known all along, which is that that is completely not sustainable unless you are, unless looking like that is the only thing that matters to you. Yeah. And so I lost it one in about three weeks. Wow. It fell off that quickly. But that's because, like I said, you know, my body type is very much ectomorph with slight mesomorphic qualities. Yeah, you're, you're just going to be fighting against the whole time, really, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. And again, you know, it really has to come down to how bad do you want it and why do you want it? Mm. So I know that 
in order for me to do my job at Spartan. I mean, Spartan have always been amazing. They've never, ever, ever said anything to me about you need to look this way or you need to do that. For me, it's just a pride thing. You know, I was going to ask whether you had like a body fat percentage in your contracts. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> um, it's like a burpee penalty or something. And like. the hilarious thing about this is as well is that I don't know whether it's the scales that I've used in the past. I mean, I think we all know that you know most bioimpedance measurements are not necessarily the most accurate in the world. Mm. But I don't think I've ever been under fifteen percent ever. Right. Um, certainly not on the measurements that I've done. And people are like, what? No, you must have. I'm like, no, I don't know. I think I must have like really massively fat organs or something. I don't really understand it. But um, but no, Spartan is so cool. They've never, ever asked me to do to look a certain way or anything. Um, it's just, it's a personal thing for me. I want to, I don't want people going either A, bugger me, that's a skinny Spartan because that doesn't feel good. Or who ate all the pie Spartan? That's not a nice one either. And what's really interesting is if you look back at, well, it's interesting to me, if you look back at when I first started doing Spartan, I was in way worse shape than I am now. So I really? definitely thought, yeah, 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 completely. I mean, I wasn't like, there they go, I'm big, fast, good. But I was <laughs> markedly, I had a higher fat percentage than I do now. Um, and that, like I said, it's, it's just a pride thing. I want to, I want to represent Spartan. I want to look, you know, the part while I'm up there. Because it's no good being able to do all the shouting and the and the kind of acty part if you don't look the right way. And when I was saying that there was like a kind of a, a perfect storm of uniqueness for me to get that job, it's because I had, because I worked as an actor and a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So like the, the two worlds collided perfectly for me to do this job. It was the perfect role just waiting for you. It was, it really, really was. And it's interesting because I used to say to my, I quite often say to my ex-wife, like, I don't understand why I'm doing this because there's so many people that could do this. And she was awesome. She'd always be like, no, there isn't. Like, there's not many people that could do this job. Don't put yourself down. Like, you know, you do a good job. And the reason you do it is because you've got these two specific aspects of your past that make you really, really qualified to do what you do. You've got to, you know, you've got to connect with people as well. I think that's part of it as well. You've got to feel a connection to the people because if you were just some guy with his top off shouting at them and trying to be inspirational, people would just probably go, mm, bugger off. But no, there's obviously a connection between you and the racers that just works. That's what I That's what I absolutely want to do. And I think you can kind of almost track the, the, the sort of two, <clears throat> excuse me, alternate personas of Spartan Phil because you've got the, Spartan Phil, who will tell you awful dad jokes and make stupid <laughs> puns and do st- and embarrass people in the crowd to kind of be silly and, and to just, you know, tell you a little bit about the race and stuff. And then you've got me when I'm doing the speech. And when I do the speech, like, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've said that speech. But every single time that I do it, it still gets the hairs on the back of my neck going, still gets me really really confident I do it because like I said I, I like you were saying I connect with the people who are racing and even if the, and if they're not giving much back to me I'll work harder because mm. <laughs> I'm like screw you I'm going to make you passionate <laughs> or not you know um, and again it comes back to the fact I flipping love my job really really love getting to do what I get to do it's a great bit you do for the kids where you get them to shout really loud and then get someone to fall over. 
every single time. And I think you generally just pick some random person. And, oh, I and never and, and they're like, okay, I'm going to have to fall over in a minute. Yep. And they do every single time. I've and never had someone just go say crazy. No. Yep, I've never had someone say no. Never <laughs> had someone come up and have a go at me. Every single person. I mean, often it might be that I know one of the mums or dads so I can mm. do it. But a lot of the time, like you say, it is just a random. If you are stood next to me when I'm starting <laughs> kids' race, don't. Because the chances are that I will pull that over. Um, but that's been the, the really fun thing for me as well is um, I'm quite loquacious. I like talking a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I like to think that I'm relatively funny. So part of the great thing for me has been, you know, I got given the script to do the we are gathered here today to the whole of that bit but all of the rest of it they were like dude just free reign you know say what you want to say do what you want to do and so i've come up with all of the you know rubbish right guys let's come to the bottom of the burp here you can make sure that your hands are off the ground okay two reasons for doing that number one if your hands are off the ground it means your chest is on the ground and you're not getting getting no reps but number two is that i've always wanted to go skydiving with 100 complete strangers so can you always wave your hands and go Wee! You know, all that <laughs> yeah that's just me having fun and, and being silly. And I do get like a lot of my mates who do fun, who've done it for a few years, I'm like, dude, can we just switch up some of the gags now? They've been there for one. I'm like, look, <laughs> get one new one every season. You yeah. know, I will guarantee one new crap joke every season that that is your lot. The rest of them, they're staying there. They're tried and tested, they work. Exactly. Don't change it if it's not broken. It ain't broke. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess you, you, you kind of talked a bit about your, your teaching which is which is your I guess your day job um, yeah. but you know who is Spartan Phil outside of Spartan what 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 else makes you you what um, you up in the morning my honestly my kids are my absolute world um my ex-wife and I were together for 10 years <clears throat> just over 10 years and we separated a couple of years ago and She's amazing. She's absolutely incredible and is like the greatest mum in the whole wide world. And we still get on really, really well. Um, but since we separated, I, I spoke to a friend of mine who got divorced, who was one of my first friends to, to get divorced. And so when we were going through, you know, the separation, I kind of spoke to him because I wanted to get some advice. And he said, for all the horror that comes out of separating with someone so one of the good things that's come out of it is that he felt like he was a better dad and I was like why do you feel that he's like he said because I only get the kids half the time now the time that I'm with them I am absolutely 100% focused on them and that's very much that was that was my experience as well I don't think I was a bad dad at all I really don't like I wanted to have kids since I was like 16 that was one of the only things that you know I wanted to get married and have kids um, and so I love being married and I loved having my kids, but there was always someone else there to support you and to kind of help you out. So now when I've got my two, because I only get to see them half the time, which breaks my heart, when I am with them, I just have the best time. And I'm completely blessed to have the two coolest kids in the entire world. They are just awesome they're sweet and kind and funny and genuine and they're just you know everything that makes you want to get up they're awesome um and then other stuff what else have i got uh what can i guess i, I so i could talk to you about things that i'm passionate about i suppose mm, yeah um films 
are a massive passion of mine. I will nerd out with anyone hardcore about movies, quotes particularly, but like film trivia, you know, obscure directors, weird. Now, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite film is because I hate that question. So I'm I'll not, do it. I'm not, I don't have a. Oh, do you have a? Do you have a single favorite film? Genre, what director? I mean, what are we talking? <laughs> what decades? How can you possibly expect it? So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a suggestion about um, what my insatiable appetite for films is like. Uh, in my underneath stairs cupboard, just back there, <clears throat> I have a box like I can't even show it. It's like, it's like this big, just decked high with all my old VHS tapes. <laughs> Only the originals. I had to get rid of the ones that I copied, but like all the originals. Okay, and there were so many of them, um, hundreds. But I was like, I don't hoard much. I'm pretty good. Uh, again, my ex-wife was brilliant at doing like, have you worn it this year? No, 86, it's got to go. <laughs> so I got quite good at being quite brutal at getting rid of stuff. But the videos were the one thing that I was like, that's a really big part of my formative years. It's the thing that I'm really passionate about, so I'm not going to get rid of it. I thought it was a huge amount of them, but it doesn't matter. Scroll forward <laughs> to this summer holidays. I went down to my mum's in Windsor to help her clean out her garage, which is full of junk, and some of it was mine. And I got there and there were two massive suitcases. And I was like, mum, what is in those? And she was like, uh, your videos? And I went, <laughs> no, because my videos are in the cupboard under the stairs. And she was like, do you want to open those suitcases? And they were full of videos, more videos. So I now, ha- I mean, I, I mean, we're talking hundreds. Films <laughs> you've completely forgotten about. Totally <laughs> 100%. And almost certainly... I could find pretty much all of them on the various multiple streaming services that I now have in order to satiate this, this ridiculous appetite that I have for movies. But I don't care because I love them. And at some point, uh, at the moment, the, the property that I mean, I'm renting, but when I do buy a place in the future, I'm going to display them. I don't care. I'm going to mm. nerd out fully. I'm going to get a proper stacked display. And when people come in, they're going to see exactly what I wasted my money on as a child. I love that sort of thing. Though. If I go, if I was to come around your house and see it, that would totally spark a conversation. Someone would go, oh my goodness, you've got that film. <laughs> and it's one of the first things that I do when I go around other people's houses. Mm. Bookshelves and DVD or like whatever collections. Always. Books particularly as well. Bit of a book nerd. Really, really love reading. So um, I will always, one of the first things that I'll do if I go around someone's new house and they're like, I'm just going to pop through whatever. I'm like, straight at the bookcase. <laughs> but who do you read? What authors do you like? But that question of, you know, what's your favourite film? God, that could change for me on an almost hourly basis. Yeah. Depending upon the read that I'm in or whether it's it's a ridiculous question. I generally refuse to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just impossible. What's your favorite film? No. No. I think I think the last time I was asked that, I was asked that on a work call recently, and I was like, oh, everyone's gonna get in the mood if I say I'm not answering it. So I just said, Oh, it's Jurassic Park, because that's my son's favorite film. Yeah, the Easy. brilliant one is when you've got kids, of course, and people go like, what are you watching at the moment? You've got any good box sets? You're like, oh, dude, Octonauts. I yeah. am all <laughs> over. Have you seen the one with the mimic octopus? That's my favourite episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> For like two, three years, all I was watching was, oh, I can't even remember the name of it now, but it was just all CBDs. Just constant yeah. CBDs. I feel your pain. And Some of it was good, though. You know, the, what I loved about the stuff dude, like, I'm hey, Dougie. So I flipping love it. There's stuff like Hey Dougie. It's got loads of little adult oh. jokes in there as well that the kids don't get. <laughs> hey Dougie, Alexander Armstrong is my hero. I could listen to that man talk his way through the phone book quite, quite happily. Um, I even use him in one of my presentations for my students. Brilliant. That's cool. I do a whole <laughs> about Hey Dougie and just 
how brilliant he is. Oh, wolf. yeah, absolutely. He's great. Um, so yeah, other stuff. Um, so obviously fitness. Um, I've always uh, been to. I don't play any sports anymore, which was a massive part of my life when I was growing up. So uh, I was very lucky. I played a little bit of county rugby. Uh, and I had trials for county cricket. Uh, and I just like any sport I, I wanted to play. Um, never brilliant at any of them, but possibly good at most of them. Um, so I started kind of getting into weights when I was at school. I used to row for my school. I was really, really lucky. I went to just a normal state school, but we happened to be in Windsor by the river. And the school used to be a grammar school. Of course, it was a grammar school. It used to row diet. So I did some rowing, and if you row, you weight train pretty hard as well. Yeah. I got to that when I was like 13, 14, really enjoyed it, really, really liked it, and just continued to kind of do it ever since. When I was working as an actor, I had loads of free time. I said I was, I was a theatre actor, so you don't get to work until 6 o'clock in the evening, and you finish then by 10. It's like a really hard four-hour day. <laughs> uh, so I had a lot of free time. And the girl that I was seeing at the time, one of her friends was an actress and had just done a personal training call. I was like, you should do that. You keep fit. So I was like, yeah, 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 awesome. So I did that and that kind of rekindled my passion in gym stuff even more. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the things that I nerd out most. If I'm not watching movies, I'm usually watching uh, training stuff or stuff to do with anatomy, functional anatomy. The thing that I'm absolutely obsessed with at the moment is Ninja Warrior mm-hmm. because I recently discovered that there are some actual Ninja Warrior courses in the UK. So if any of you guys follow me on Instagram, you will see that I have just been dumping loads of content recently about Spartanfield's UK tour of the various different Ninja Warrior establishments in Britain. And I think I found my jam. If, uh, if you come to Gloucester, let me know. I'll come meet you there. I did it. I did, <laughs> did it. You? Brilliant. But hang on, check this out. This is purely because I was so chuffed. So, you know, in Gloucester, you can, have you done the timed run? No, not yet, no. Right. So, if any of you guys are anywhere near, massive shout out to Ninja Warrior UK. They've got uh, the ones that I've been to. There's one in Gloucester, one in Southampton. Uh, there's one that's not a Ninja Warrior affiliate, but there's a great one in Colchester as well. Mm. Um, but the one in Gloucester uh, allows you to do a short timed run. Um, so I went there with my best mate and his boys because he lives in just outside Bath, and uh, and I was like, "What's the um, you know what's, what's what's a good time?" Obviously, I'm massively <laughs> competitive about stuff like this. And I'm looking at this this run, and then it goes. So you basically got monkey bars, but they're not normal monkey bars. They're monkey bars that are on um, a spring. So you've got three of them. And as soon as you jump onto them, they swing forwards. Oh, and yeah. Transition onto the next one. And then they yeah. swing. You've got three of those. Then you've got three spin wheels. So yeah. you hold onto the wheel, spin round, grab the next one, spin round. And there's a pole thing, isn't there? Traverse then, pole. Right. Yeah. It's a really interesting pole one, which is basically, if you imagine what two roller coaster tracks look like, and you basically have to jump on, hook grip over them, and then basically just kind of like swing yourself with momentum along those. Onto um oh what's it called? Oh, it's the wall, isn't it? Yeah, spine, yeah. Yeah. And then finish with um a walked wall, right? Not massively high walked wall, but finish with a wall. So I'm like, that's like what seven, eight, nine obstacles or something. So I'm thinking 30 seconds, a minute, somewhere between there is probably gonna be pretty brisk. 
So I go up to one of the, you know, 11-year-olds that works there. And I'm like, so um, so what's a good time for this then? And he was like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, the guy that works here, he, he, he's the one that's fastest. And I was like, cool, cool, what's his time? And he was like, 11 seconds. What? And I was like, but with the human biomechanic, <laughs> what? Were you, what, 11 what? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, who is this man? Where is he? <laughs> And they were like, he's, he's working just over there. So I was like, stay here. <laughs> and I went and got him. And I was like, dude, just can you help me out and give me some tips as to like how you get quicker? And he went, yeah, skip stuff. And I was like, would you, skip, what do you mean skip stuff? And he said, well, so check it out, right? If you've got three spinning wheels, but you're relatively good at plyometric stuff, just jump onto the middle one. Don't waste time doing the first one. Mm. Jump into the middle bit. And the same thing with those moving monkey bars at the beginning screw the first one just jump onto the middle one so i was like you can do that and he was like yeah it's all about how quickly you go there's some, some amazing footage of oh what's the name so there's a guy called um anton fenko i think this awesome ninja warrior guy does loads of stuff on youtube he's absolutely brilliant but he does loads of training with another, another american guy and this american guy is really famous for have you seen do you watch Ninja Warrior? yes yeah like, you know the you know the rolling log one? You have to hook your arms around mm. and it's been trying to have to. Yeah. So he's really famous, this guy, for jumping over. Didn't bother to do the log, just ran really hard. Well, that's jumped, quite that's quite far. Could, yeah, but it's got a gradient <laughs> that goes down. So yeah. he's decelerating, he's also kind of dropping, but gravity's going with him anyway. And he did it. He cleared the entire thing. Wow. Which is like an exercising point of you don't need to necessarily be doing it properly. What you need to be doing is doing it fast. So I'm so proud of this, right? I'm going to nerd out here a little bit. You ready? That is pretty quick. Not bad for a 44-year-old man, right? Tell you what, send me this and I'll put it on the screen so people can see it better as well. 15 seconds. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, three seconds off the record. Was that your first go, though? Yeah, it's my first go. Was it? Wow. Not my, first, not my first run, but it was my first time at the... Yeah. And it's so much fun. Like, again, if you... Particularly if you've got kids, oh, my God, take them down there, because we had so much fun. An absolute blast. The one in... Um, where's the other one that I went to? There's one that's fairly near Gloucester as well. There's another one, Southampton. Mm has got not only the Ninja Warrior bit, but it's got a massive kind of total wipeout inflatable section for kids. Yeah, okay, yeah. So if you're anywhere near that one, go and check them out. They're amazing. Really good. Yeah, they're great fun. I went to the opening of the Gloucester one with my kids. Uh, my six-year-old's auntie, she loves some rings. So she was just back and forward on these rings. <laughs> uh, so my little boy is exactly the same. Um, another massive shout out. If any of you guys live anywhere near Suffolk, there's an amazing outdoor obstacle venue called The Playground. Mm. Um, so my mate Phil, hi Phil if you're listening, um, is awesome, does a lot of work with them, helped to build a lot of the course, but he's taken me down there a couple of times. And the most recent one that we did was I went to a boot camp there and was utterly embarrassed by everyone that was there, by who destroyed me in this boot camp. Like, I don't, cardio's not my bag. <laughs> there was quite a lot of running in it and I was ruined by that. But it's an amazing venue, really, really good. And they've got a super long monkey bars, really nice monkey bars. Mm. And my little boy was exactly the same. <laughs> Loves it. But I mean, he's um, he's like daddy. He's got the gibbon arms. So yeah. yeah. And they've got yeah, quite a high kind of strength to, to weight ratio as well, haven't they? <laughs> Again, you know, 
same with me. I'm not heavy. Mm. So I'm really lucky when it comes to the more kind of technical stuff. Like if you're doing a Spartan event, a hurt hoist for me is a nightmare mm. because the weight that I'm lifting is not massively far off what I lift. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, when, when they change that weight. Yes. When they change, I was, was, which was the first event? Was it, um, which is the one with Death Valley? I think it was that one. Um, but yeah, they, the, the first time they changed that weight up, and everyone's face was just like, what the hell is this? That? I mean, I, I got I got on it and I had my whole whole weight off off, yep. off the floor, my feet on the thing, and I was like, Yeah, this isn't moving. <laughs> and it, I because I literally had to say to like the best thing you can do if you haven't done a Spartan race before and it's your first time. I know this is really relatively common sense anyway, but talk to the marshals, talk to the guys that are there and they'll tell you because they've watched every single person go through it. So they will see what the best technique is and they'll yeah. be able to tell you. And a lot of the times they'll show you as well because they're so helpful. So for me, it was that whole thing of brace your leg on the fence. Yeah. If you can get a leg on the fence and you can kind of get your body at a low enough position that you're kind of locked in, then you should be able to put it over arm. But my God, having to use your whole body weight to kind of wrench that thing down. It's a good if it's something like a rope climb or monkey bars, I, I'm golden. Yeah. I weigh nothing. I weigh the same as a biscuit. So for me to fly down, I think it's like that easy. Funny thing as well about Spartan UK is that the, the buckets are a hell of a lot heavier than you get in, in the US. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really understand why. whinging from all the UK Spartans. Like, it's so much heavier than in the States. You know, in, in the States, they just carry, carry it on their shoulder like this, don't they? <laughs> um, I think I would um, I would quote, uh, oh God, I don't know what's wrong with my brain this evening, but it's not working so well. Um, super famous American comedian, Bill something died. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, thank you. God, yeah. I can't remember. Um, Bill Hicks says something that I think is really interesting. When I get things from people, they're like, oh, it's so much heavier. And then they're like, okay, okay. So like four points to make you. Yeah. And <laughs> so and what? <laughs> get up and pick up the bucket. Let's get on with it. <laughs> the great thing about it was, so so the uh, the extra weight on the Hercoise and the bucket, yeah. it made people up their game. Because oh, you know, right. everyone, myself included, when I first did it, I went, you know what? I can't do this Hercoise now because this weighs the same as me. I said, I, first of all, I said, I can't do it. And then yeah. I went away and said, Actually, no, that's bollocks. I just need to train harder and I need to train more specifically. Yeah. So, you know, I trained, and work out, and work out I trained pulling and yeah, all this yeah, and yeah. eventually I did it. And that for me, like, I think um, one of the best pieces of advice I would give to anybody doing OCR is train grip strength. Mm, train totally. grip, get a bar and just hang off it. Just see how many times do one-armed hangs, do weighted hangs. Like one of my favourite things to do is, um, you know, last year when... I think was it during lockdown? It might have been before lockdown. When everyone, you guys, did you? Did anyone ask you to do the twenty press ups a day challenge? No, thankfully not. Right. So there was a twenty press ups for twenty day challenge. Um, now, for me, not being arrogant or anything silly, but twenty press ups is not very much. So I was like, right, how can I make this more interesting? So I said, I'll tell you what, what about if I do the 20 press-ups 20 days, but every day I'll add 1.25 kilos onto a backpack on my back. Nice. So I got to the end and I think it was something, I was, I saw mathletes out there, you will be able to tell me, but I can't remember what's on it. was something like 30 kilos. So it was like 20 press-ups with 30 kilos on your back. But when I started doing the press-ups, I was like, mm, this is not really enough. I need to do something else. This is a little bit boring. 
So I thought, what about if I do 20 pull-ups as well every day? But again, like I could just about do 20 unbroken pull-ups by that point. So it's like, hmm, could I do the same thing with weights on the pull-ups as well? So I ended up getting to the point by the 20th day where I had like against like 30 kilos worth of weight <laughs> to do 20. And I did them in like sets of two. Yeah. But that was awesome. And it was just something, I think the thing for me is I can get a little bit bored sometimes if I'm just in the gym doing a six-week yeah. training program and I'm doing the same exercises day in, day out. So that's why I love calisthenics or mixing up, doing something different. And, you know, as anyone that knows anything about physiology will tell you, the more shock you throw at your body, the better it will respond. Yeah. You know, so if your body's getting comfortable, you ain't going to make gains. You're not going to see progress. Whereas if you're constantly getting your body to go, whoa, what was that? Oh my God, I need to grow some new muscle so that never happens again. Then, you know, it, you get better results. I think that's the great thing about... you got a point here. Sorry. No, no. I, I think that's the great thing about fitness and, you know, Spartan and OCR as well as it, it makes people get out of their comfort zones um and, and you know get better at, at whatever they're trying to do but i think the nice thing about it and one of the things that we always say at spark race is that you should pretty much be able to get off off a sofa and come and do one like you mm -hmm. don't really need to train a massive amount and i because I, I think one of the kind of popular misconceptions from a lot of people is they look at it and go no freaking way that is you couldn't do that not in a million years it looks way too difficult and you're like well Okay, so what, what are the really tricky bits? All right, if you haven't got a lot of upper body strength, things like monkey bars, or if you're, you know, a little bit overweight, carrying a few extra pounds, things like monkey bars and rope climbs and stuff can be a bit difficult. Yeah. But you just do some burpees instead, you know? All right, oh, it's 5K. And you can walk it. There's no one that says you have to run it. Take it at exactly. your own time. But it's just, you're not in the gym. You're getting outside, you're doing functional movement, Chances are you're doing it with some friends, so you've got a social aspect to it as well. It's like a win-win situation. And, like, it's so rare. I, I don't even know if I've ever spoken to anyone who's done their first event and has then come up to me and gone, well, that was an absolute pain in my ass and I'm never doing it again. Yeah. Because the sense of achievement that we were talking about, you get that endorphin rush. You know, when you do that fire jump at the end, and you're like, I did that for the first time and I never thought I'd be able to do it. It's addictive. You feel awesome. Yeah, man. It was why we get such a massively high repeat offender list at Spartans because mm. that joy, that camaraderie, the, the sense of inclusivity, everything about it just makes it really, really enjoyable. And then the sense of pride that you get in yourself when you've achieved it. Love it. I mean, when, when I, you know, when I started first putting sort of photos from Spartan or OCRs on my timeline on Facebook, and, you know, I comments like, oh, that looks hideous, mate. I could never do that. You could. You could. You Come really with me. Come, we'll do it. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it together. And that's, and that's what's really lovely as well, because you don't get people going like, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do it with you because I'd slow you down. Like, I don't care. Come along. If I'm not racing, you know, like obviously if you're competing age group or if you're doing elites or something, fair enough. But if you're just going along with your mates, great. I'll see how quick I can do the rope climb and then I'll help you. And that's that's how we all got started doing OCR. Even you know those who maybe just try to be a bit more competitive now, or do age group racing. We all started doing it with our mates and had an awesome time. Totally, because and that's how you know ninety nine percent of our open weight races start off. I even make a joke about it at certain points to say like um, when I first get people to do a burpee and get them to get their chest down on the ground, particularly if it's a bit of a wet, muddy day. 
I'll always say like, this is my favorite point of the day, ladies and gents, because I can see those of you whose friends signed you up for this when you were drunk. <laughs> now, when we're like, oh, I don't want to go and get all muddy. You're like, yeah. <laughs> but by the end of it, they're covered in mud and they're like, that. yes, that was amazing. And like I said, you just get that huge endorphin rush that makes you go like, yeah, man, I want to come back and do another one. I mean, what other, what other things do you do in your life that allow you to do the sort of things that you do when you're out on course? None, nothing. You know, there ain't nothing. Like I said, the closest thing that I get is something like a Ninja Warrior, mm. and the closest one to me is an hour and a half. Mm. So I'm really lucky in that my squat cage has got a bar on it. I hang the rings off it, and it, you know what I would love to do um, when I finally get to a point when I'm actually going to buy myself a house rather than rent to build it. Is I want to get a house with a big garden, and I want to build a rig out there. I really, really want to get a tree that's tall enough that I can hang a rope up there to do some rope climbs. I want to get some monkey bars. I want to get the thing that I'd really like to buy at the minute. I'm quite a nerd for buying a lot of kit. Um, <laughs> I'm very lucky in that I got this whole setup behind me from the school that I work at at the moment because they weren't using it anymore. So I got it for a really good price. Um, but I also have like <laughs> med balls and kettlebells and, you know, like indoor shot puts, I think I've got back there. and. Just, <laughs> Brilliant. so much stuff because i bought the indoor shop because a friend of mine was doing med ball slams before med balls were around and the only thing i'll show you it's a really cool piece of kit actually. um so this is it okay but it weighs about six kilos it's not massively heavy but you can get a massive sweat on by just, just chucking it down yeah. again it's really really um but it's it will move a little bit mm. since it's got a bit of it so I bought one of those, and that's been one of my favourite pieces of kit for years and years. But I'll often, if I see something new that I think would be helpful to me, the other one that I cannot recommend enough, get yourself some bands. Oh, yeah, I've got to love some bands. Anything calisthenic, or even if you're just kind of like, God damn it, I can't do monkey bars, and I know that I should probably learn to do some pull-ups, get some bands. There are a million and one tutorials on YouTube that tell you exactly how to use them. Um, but once you've learned pull-ups, you can do all sorts of stuff. So like when I was learning to do a front lever, I used bands all the time. Uh, and without them, I don't know that I would have got there because it's a bloody hard movement. <laughs> it is. Um, I've never tried, but yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, God. Well, the, the great thing is if you never tried, try one. Because when you see all the, you know, bar brothers and lunatics who can do all this crazy character stuff when they do it they make it look so ridiculously easy mm. that you just kind of go well you probably just have to have a strong cause to it right so fine it's like no it's such a complete body move mm. uh and some ages to do but like I, I think the other thing when you're talking about you know what gets you fired up outside of spark race things for me i'll kind of give myself little challenges um so like I, at the moment I want, I'm in the process of um, a 30 second handstand. I want to get done by the end of this year. I'm pretty close. I've done it once or twice, but I'd like to be able to do it consistently. Yeah. Uh, one arm pull up. Oh, yeah. It's always, it's always a good one. Yeah. Again, bands. Bands, yeah. Working on that one, massively helping. Lots of eccentrics, lots of static halting things. But so I'd like to get that one done by the end of the year. And then the other one I desperately want to get, which I don't think I'll be by the end of the year, is I'd like to be able to do a planche push-up. Uh, so if you don't know what a planche push-up is, it's a push-up, but where your feet are held off the ground. Okay. Gymnastics movement, 
it's so impossibly difficult i can't even begin to tell you if you've ever done um oh what's it called uh a frog stand do you know when you get your hands on the ground and you put your elbows yeah. up so if you try doing a frog stand but instead of having your knees outside of your elbows just try putting your knees inside your elbows and just see how much more difficult that is i think i think i have my face in the floor if i don't yeah, yeah it's a <laughs> one-way ticket to broken nose milk. um so but, are there like a, a series of steps that you can kind of go through to get there though? 100%, yeah. Exactly right. yeah, yeah. Same way that I did when I was learning to do like levers and, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, yeah. So it's things like if you can do a frog stand, great. Then do that one that I was talking about where you get your knees between. Once you can do that, try doing single leg extensions whilst you're in that position. Then you start by going into a straddle. So doing that, doing a press up position. With your legs off the ground but your legs really really wide apart yeah. so you're basically using a counterbalance and then if you get really good you can bring your legs together and then if you get really 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 good you can go from a handstand into a planche position and then press back up again yeah i've seen people do that and that is yeah. massively impressive yeah there's um there's a dude that i absolutely love called ido portal uh who's uh he's an israeli guy um who's like Oh, just so inspirational. Um, he's he's one of these guys that's like sitting is the new cancer. You know, we basically, we are machines that are designed to move and we have these yeah. ridiculously sedentary lifestyles now where we just abuse these gifts of bodies that are given to us by sitting still and not doing anything. Um, so his background is massively varied, like contemporary dance, capoeira, gymnastics, weight training, but he uses it all and puts it together in a really beautiful, fluid kind of way. And that sort of way of thinking really struck a chord with me when I first sort of started watching his stuff. I think he now trains, or he's one of Conor McGregor's trains. Okay. Yeah, does loads of stuff with him. It's awesome guy. If you get a chance, check him out. I-D-O-P-O-R-T-A-L. I'll bring you some links. I'll bring you some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll put some up for people. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to ask you. Just, we've had, we've had a great chat. You know what I was saying about talking too much? The other thing that I will do is I will, in the middle of a conversation, in the middle of a sentence even, I will somehow manage to digress onto another topic and then completely forget what the original question was. But, you know, that that usually the thing you digress, you know, is the thing that you're passionate about, the thing you want to talk about. So it's, it's always good stuff. <laughs> Feel free at any point to be like, that's really interesting, Phil. Is there any chance you could actually answer the question? Yeah. I was talking Have about Spartan, Phil. What the hell are you on about? <laughs> Why are you talking about Israeli movement specialists? What's next for you then? So uh, I think we've got Scotland coming up next, haven't we? Oh, before that, I've got the European Championships. Oh, you're going to that, of course, as well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting about that because uh, we can actually, it's Switzerland, isn't it? So we, Switzerland. we, we are allowed to go. Amber. It's on the amber. Um, yeah, so I'm off to Switzerland next weekend. Then I've got Scotland after that. I am desperately waiting to find out about Sparta and yeah. the trifecta because that would be the first, if I don't go, that would be the first year that I've missed it in, apart from COVID. Where, where is it this year? It's in Sparta. So of the course trifecta world championship is, is always, always isn't it? Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen any of the footage of it, um, check it out because it is genuinely breathtaking, like really really inspirationally insane it all takes place in sparta 
at the birthplace of, of the Spartan Warriors. And they usually do some pretty good coverage, don't they, actually? I remember watching oh, it live before. Stunning stuff, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. it's a really big deal because it's the World Championship, so you'll mm. get um, usually at least one of the course designers, the race directors, and then like an OCR specialist commentating on it. Yeah. Um, you get all the best OCR people in the world coming and taking part. Um, last year, was it the last time we did it? I think John won it, John Albert. Usually. Yeah, John won it last year. Well, it, it did because it was the same year that I got asked. I think I've been not last, not the last one, but the last one before that. It was the first year that I got asked to go out to Iceland and do the ultra. Mm. So if you don't know what the ultra is, that is a 24-hour Spartan race in like minus 16 degrees. And John Alban had already won. The Lake Tahoe Championships, he won the Trifecta World Championships. And so the only other world championships we had left was the Ultra. And Joe DeSena, the guy that owns Spartan Race, offered, said to him, if he could do a hundred miles in 24 hours, he would give him a million dollars. So there was quite a lot of interest in that one. And John did amazing, really, really well, uh, but dropped out at about 70 or something and Ryan Atkins went on and won it did an amazing job really really good that's great funny. coverage of that as well yeah I remember oh, watching that live screaming and that it. event is a really interesting one for me because it's very very different to what I do normally because it's a 24 hour race so there's mm. one way so I literally have to do one send off from the start line and then the rest of my time is commentating interviewing I think you, you interviewed John actually shortly after yeah. you finished didn't you yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and that's one of the things I absolutely love doing. And, um, you know, like I said, my, my, back, my background is performing. And I, as part of performing, I've done kind of little bits of jobs and that sort of stuff before. And I like talking. Um, so it's brilliant. I got to see loads of that stuff. I got to do interviews with Joe DeSena and Ryan. Got to interviews with Joe DeSena, like whilst the rivalry between John and Ryan was going on and all this stuff. Got to mm-hmm. be there when Joe just said, yeah, well then, Ryan, you know, you've done a really good job. I'm going to give you $20,000. <laughs> Just, just not only like you get the winners check as well, but you, you did really well. So have twenty five minutes. I've, I've saved a million. So this is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's, um, God, like Joe's a really interesting cat. He is a cool dude, and I have, I've got to give a huge amount of thanks to him because it was him coming over to the UK and seeing me do an event years ago. And he was so cool, man. I mean, like, he could quite easily, you know, brush me off and never speak to me because who the hell am I him? But he came up and he was like, dude, no one does this in the States. No one dresses up like this. No one does a speech like you. You're awesome, man. we got to get you to the States. And then, you know, that, that was the beginning of me starting to do international work. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I talk about how lucky I am to have this job that I love doing. But not only do I get to do all these amazing gigs in the UK, but I've been taken to Greece, Iceland, Sweden, you know, uh, Italy. I got to do the European champs in the Dolomite Mountains in summer, which was just one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. And the Italian team was so cool. And I got on so well with them. They were like, yeah, yeah. Can you come back and do our pro series next year? Oh, no way. So I just, you know, and like, I, I, I kind of hope that my work ethic that we were talking about and like how much I clearly love doing what I do is part of the reason that I've managed to get the, the limited amount of success that I've had in this industry because people work with me and they're like, yep, yeah, I know that he'll work hard and he'll do a good job. 
I've, you know, I've never seen you just phone it in. And, and sure. that, would, that might be easy to do because, you know, you do the same thing over and over and over again, multiple times a day. 100%. But it goes back to that theatrical training. It doesn't matter if it's if you're playing to a packed house or if you're playing to the Blue Rinse Brigade on a Wednesday matinee. They've all paid the same. They all expect to see the same. So it's your responsibility to behave down that way and have that sense of professionalism about you. And, you know, I do, because as far as I'm concerned, you guys have all paid and that's what my job is. People is like, people often kind of go like, um, you know, oh, you know, would you mind awfully if I took a photo with you? I'm like, dude, that's my job. That's why I get paid. Like, bring it on in, man. <laughs> I love having photos of people. And um, I'd never, like, I'm not a massive kind of social media person in my private life. But obviously with Spartanville, I have an Instagram account. Um, it's linked up to Facebook. And one of the things that's, that I absolutely love doing is I would always say to people, if you take a photo with me, please tag me. So I've got like a collage on my Instagram. Just me with a million and one really happy looking people. Like, how cool is that? You know, and my kids see that the whole time. and Hopefully it's relatively inspirational to them. You know, they know what daddy does. But as they get a bit older, I'm going to be able to like really explain to them and say, you know, daddy has a job where he makes people happy. How cool is that? Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like what everybody dreams about doing. Definitely. But yeah, very, very blessed and fortunate to do what I do. Even when you're freezing your tits off sometimes, I've seen you have to run and put your drive air bomb between tapes. <laughs> Sweden was minus 16 degrees. Wow. So there's some pretty awesome, if you trawl back through my Insta, there's uh, one particular photo of me in the kit on a frozen lake at minus 16 degrees. So like I said, that gig's very different, the answer, because I literally, I send off the races once, yeah. and then I go indoors and put on all my lovely gear. And by the way, just massive props and shout outs to Spartan for how much they look after the Spartan crew. When we go and do things like the Ultra, when we arrive there, last time I went to, so I did Iceland the first time, and Sweden the second time, just waiting for you when you get there, there was, a pair of hiking boots, crampons to go over the hiking boots, professional mountain rescue grade gloves, a puffer jacket, a waterproof jacket, a hat, a hoodie. I mean, they just go to town in terms of looking after us and making sure that we're kind of taking care of in those conditions. So apart from the points when I'm stood in a pair of leather pants on a frozen lake, the rest of the time I'm really nice and warm. But even that, like, if you were racing on the ultra and you're there and you're like 16 layers of technical clothing and a beanie and a flashlight and some dude comes out and whips off his dry rope instead of a pair of leather pants, that's going to get you pretty motivated, right? So it's amazing. Although it's the most uncomfortably cold I've ever been. And I've got Raynaud, so I can't feel my fingers at that point. Like they're just gone. God. <laughs> but to, to, to take off the dry rope and to like start doing the speech and everything, the crowd goes mental because they're like, you are insane. What are you doing? But this guy's standing there half naked in freezing temperatures. The least I can do is, you know, rouse myself up a bit. I get to do, I get to bring out all my freezing cold England jokes. So like if anybody needs anywhere to hang up their wet clothing after the race, my nipples are available for hire, all that. Nice. Kind of stuff, you know? nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an <laughs> amazing vibe. And obviously, you know, the surroundings in Iceland and Sweden are not to be sniffed at. It's mm. stunning. And I'd never been to either of those countries before. So again, you know, without this job, I was, I was really lucky. My mum and dad worked for British Airways, so I was very lucky when I was younger and I got to do a huge amount of traveling around the world. 
but I'd never been to Sweden, never been to Iceland. So there's a first for me and they would never have happened if I hadn't worked with a dude called Greg at City College in Norwich. That's a cool story. Yeah, man. That's a cool story. Well, like I said, blessed and happy. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as Spark want to keep employing me, I will be there until I am a, until all of this beard has gone grey and my God, <laughs> it's getting grey. I am little uh, this little overshare for you. I went to pick up my daughter and my son from school today. And uh, they've been at Mummies this week, so I haven't seen them since last weekend. And um, <laughs> my daughter, the very first thing that she said to me was, oh, Daddy, your beard's looking really white now. <laughs> but uh, she said it as a positive. She thought she was being nice to you. <laughs> no, in what universe is that positive? Hey, Daddy, you look super old now that you're 44. Like, really, really old. Thanks, baby. Thanks. Appreciate that. Really good. I'm genuinely contemplating the just for men. I'm really thinking about, can I just, can, how, like, how vain am I? Can I do that? See, how old are you? Like, your beard looks awesome. 43. Yeah, so you still, there's no grain there at all. Give me a year, give me a year, and I'll be there. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's what it is. You hit that peak. <laughs> If we repeat this, if we do the same thing again September next year, and you just look like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I dropped my daughter off at, um, well, let's take her to, to Beavers tonight. And I thought, I can't be asked to put any clothes on because all I'm doing is a drop her off at Beavers. So I left her tracky bottoms on, um, took her out the door. She stopped, she went, What are you wearing? <laughs> I said, What What do you mean? She said, Those are indoor clothes, daddy. Don't ever go out in them. I said, Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow. You got told. Yeah, huh? pretty much. I hope you went in and put on those skinny jeans immediately. See, that, that's why we have that's why we have kids because they keep us in check and they tell us how it is. Dude, my <laughs> son's wardrobe is way better than mine. Like so much inordinately better than mine. But it's because I spend all my money on him. So I look like I mean to be fair, I just live in Spartan stuff because I get <laughs> so much free stuff from Spartan. If it's ever, you know, more than 16 degrees out, I'm in a Spartan t-shirt and Spartan shorts. <laughs> and probably a pair of Spartan, you know, trail trainers and maybe a Spartan cap. And probably a Spartan hoodie as well. This is envisage your wardrobe just being all the same kind of Spartan tops. Like, Which one shall I have today? <laughs> Again, part of the reason why I love them so much is that they really, really look after the people that work for them. So I have got, I mean... I couldn't tell you how many Spartan t-shirts. Like, I, I could literally probably go a month and not wear the same one every single day. <laughs> uh, and, you know, then just, like, shorts. And every, particularly if I go and do international events, because a lot of the time, um, you know, kind of sensibly, if they're pushing new merch that's just come out and I'm going to be standing around doing the rewards ceremony or whatever, get me to wear it. But then they're always amazing. Like, yeah, keep it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I've just got... So much cool stuff. Again, I'm very, very grateful for because I haven't had to buy a T-shirt for about eight years. Bargain. <laughs> and the fit is great. Really nice. <laughs> Here we have Spartan Phil modelling the latest line from Spartan. Oh, dude, man. So that's my next one. If you can get me doing some modelling as well. Yeah, a little bit of supplemental income. Yes, please. Yeah, that's what we need. And I think, you know, the world is really crying out for more bald, white-bearded, um, very pasty male models. Definitely. That's definitely a thing. So if, if anyone is looking for that kind of look, I'm, I'm available. Phil is available. Or just, you know, weddings, bar mitzvahs, whatever you need, I'm good. <laughs>
listen, man, it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. Thanks so um, much, man. Really appreciate it. I, I should be at the Wales, so hopefully we can catch up in person at Wales. Yeah, I'll come and say hi. And just to, like if there are any Spartans listening and you are ever thinking like, oh, you know, I'd like to go up and say hi to him, but I, you know, I don't bother him, come up and say hi. I flip and love it. It's one of the best parts of my job is getting to meet racers. So come and have a photo taken, bring your kids over, do whatever. I'm more than happy to do that. Awesome. Listen, Spartanville, you've been amazing, mate. Dude, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, dude. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.